0: Welcome to By the Ghost Light, a show where we talk about everything that we've seen and done, because we've seen theater and we need to talk about it. But before we do that, Cassie, how are you?
1: I am doing all right. I have to go back to work tomorrow after not being at work for a week, so that's kind of bringing me down. It's a bummer.
0: That's just terrible. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And I, Ryan, uh, received a piece of mail today.
1: Was it from Andrew Lloyd Webber again?
0: No, it was not from our good friend Andy. Um I don't know what mailing list I got on, but it is the same type of mailer. Okay. Like a big old fold out thing. Yeah. And I just need to share it with you and the world because do. I'm so very excited. It says well behaved princesses rarely make history.
1: I'm gonna guess this is about six. No. It's not.
0: It is not about six.
1: But there's six little things on your little flyer pamphlet.
0: Right? Very showy. It is. Very glitzy. Six different princesses.
1: Did they make a full scale musical of like the Disney princess Cell Block tangle parody?
0: Kind of, sort of, maybe. This is a new musical powered by the hits of Britney Spears, Once Upon a One More Time. Oh,
1: we've talked about that. Yes,
0: we have. And uh, you can get your tickets starting at $59, apparently. All right. So there you go. Previews, Broadway previews begin May 13th. Six iconic princesses, one rogue fairy godmother, a new kind of storybook, happily ever after will never be the same.
1: I've heard that before. Yeah. I've heard that tagline several times.
0: I'm kind of excited. It might not be good, but that's okay.
1: No, but I think the premise is intriguing and it's potentially worth seeing, except that it's another jukebox musical. It sure
0: is another jukebox musical. But Cassie, you went on a trip and you saw all sorts of jukebox musicals, right?
1: I saw zero jukebox musicals on my trip, Ryan.
0: Okay, I need you to promise me something right now, Cassie.
1: I will see.
0: Because there was an announcement while you were gone. (laughs) There was. There was an announcement of a tour. Yeah. And Juliet is going on tour
1: starting in
0: 2024.
1: Okay. And you want me to promise that I'm going to go see it?
0: I think more than that, I think we have to go see it.
1: You know what? I can can tentatively agree to this. I don't know when it's going to come anywhere close to us.
0: I have no idea. None of the cities that they've announced were close to us.
1: Because Toledo, which is the city where it's easiest for us to see Broadway tours, is like third level they go around the country like three times before they get to toledo
0: yep yep and then even when they get here you're not talking about uh, the big names yeah,
1: yeah so we
0: don't get anything fresh off of broadway
1: but i mean chicago is only a four-hour drive
0: only a four-hour drive and you just made it
1: we did yeah so chase and i have been in chicago for the past week-ish or so mm-hmm. Um, We saw two shows while we were in Chicago, and then we saw one show the night before we left for Chicago in Toledo, which I'm also going to talk about because it was a Broadway tour as well. So um, I'm going to try and be coherent with this. I have a lot of thoughts about the theater that I saw, but I don't necessarily know how interesting all of that is.
0: It was really, really great of you, Cassie, before your um, big Chicago trip to take time out to make sure you could be there for my opening night.
1: Yeah, of um, course. I really, mm-hmm.
0: I really appreciated that. We're coming that to just kind your of closing out. night. Well, it's a matinee.
1: you're uh, yeah, your closing matinee. We're coming <laughs> to that. We'll be there.
0: Well, the, <laughs> well, the show's so long, it might as well be closing night. Yeah. Yeah, there's two intermissions in this, Cassie.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard from you. Yeah. It's a long show.
0: Long show. Good show. Long show.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so our our whirlwind tour of theater is continuing because we are seeing another two shows this upcoming week um, that are local, regional productions. Mm -hmm. So we're going to keep seeing theater. But the theater that we saw this past week, we saw, like I said, two shows while we were in Chicago. The main reason we went to Chicago was the Into the Woods Broadway tour. Um, But while we were there, we also saw Drunk Shakespeare. And Ryan, I, if you are in any capacity, a Shakespeare fan Mm -hmm. or just a fan of ridiculous drunk shenanigans. I like that. I highly recommend finding drunk Shakespeare the next time you go to like a major city because they have drunk Shakespeare in Chicago. I know they have it in New York and I'm pretty sure there are other cities around the country where they have drunk Shakespeare. The company that we saw in Chicago does a 90 minute redone version of macbeth with five actors
0: okay all right
1: so like they've they've put a bunch of modern jokes it's like a la shakespeare abridged only they've abridged right. it to 90 minutes
0: and it's one not and it's just one
1: but it's that kind of like humor involved mm-hmm. in it um macbeth and banquo had like a, a bff handshake that they did
0: i mean that should just happen like in all every time they
1: every time they parted ways and they would make like meta jokes like hey i'm feeling a little iffy about this prophecy should i bottle that down into like act three scene two sounds good you know fun (laughs) jokes like that um
0: oh that's a deep cut
1: (laughs) right yeah
0: oh man is it good or bad that i got that
1: i think it's good
0: it's probably good yeah oh boy
1: um but the the premise then of drunk Shakespeare is that these five actors are going to perform this version of Macbeth for you, except that one of them is randomly selected at the top of the show to take three shots of tequila. Like you do. And, um, it was funny. We saw the 9 PM show and the actor that was selected to take the shots was also the actor that had been randomly selected to take the shots at the early evening performance.
0: Oh no. So she was, uh, she was feeling it. She was
1: feeling it a little bit. And then as the show goes on, the other thing that happens up at the top of the show is that someone in the audience can become the patron of the performance. Mm-hmm. And they basically, they have an auction and whoever bids the most gets to be the patron and they get to sit in the thrones at the end of the performance space. It's all done in, in this really deep thrust kind of arrangement. These people then t- at two points throughout the, sh- the show, get to ring a bell and perform a check on the drunk actor who has to, to participate in some sort of either Shakespeare challenge or physical challenge at the end of which the patrons decide if that actor needs to take another shot.
0: Gotcha. So the, the the challenge is not to be like, Hey dude, you good. It's more like, Hey dude, you're not drunk enough. Yeah. You're not drunk enough. You need more tequila.
1: Right. So the Shakespeare challenge was like, Choose a monologue from any Shakespeare play That's not Macbeth and perform it And she did Pretty perfectly and they're like yeah you need to take another shot Obviously
0: See there's a fine line between alcohol And Shakespeare where like Maybe you're great sober One drink Maybe it doesn't help you maybe two doesn't help you But th- there's a line I think Where you get so drunk that you're You, you just be- become Kenneth Branagh again
1: <laughs> Yes and then the, the drunk actor has the power to, at any point, say, point of order, stop the action and give their fellow actors instructions on something to do differently or additionally to what they're already doing.
0: And they can do this whenever they want?
1: Whenever they want.
0: However many times they want?
1: However many times they want. Good. Just the second a thought comes into their head. So, like, um, our Banquo had to do his big final speech um impersonating different muppets that were called out at various points delightful i'm trying to remember some of the others they were unhinged they were off the wall um and then of course as the show's going on you've got like a qr code on your seat so you can be ordering drinks that they will bring to you directly throughout the performance it's a very small performance space it only seats 120 and they're really packed in so like you're right there
0: that's that's fun though like that's a good night It is, as long as everybody actually knows what they're doing
1: and in true Shakespearean fashion you know you the audience are invited to heckle and you know shout out suggestions and it's just it's a fun time it's rowdy time Mm -hmm. but it's a fun time
0: that sounds pretty good not gonna lie that sounds pretty good yeah
1: so that was a fun night I don't have a lot of substantial analysis to give of that performance but you know
0: I, too, saw a show, but I didn't like it very much, so I won't talk about it.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: (laughs) It just made me sad because you see people try and and, and do things in a new space or try to push the envelope of what a community theater can or can't do and really give it a good try, Mm -hmm. like a a good college try, and you just walk out of the theater just feeling a little sad, like... Not not like the play made you sad because it was so good, but just like well, right, they tried. There was an effort. So you saw drunk Shakespeare.
1: We did. That was at our our last you night in Chicago. Experienced drunk we Shakespeare. Experienced. It is an is experience. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, on the topic of Shakespeare, because this is a good uh, good segue bef- and breaking up your Chicago trip here.
1: Please do. I don't want to talk like just straight through for the entire podcast
0: episode. <laughs> a. New production of Macbeth was announced uh, to tour in the UK. Uh, it'll tour uh, starting in November, Liverpool, and then Edinburgh, and then London. And then it'll arrive at in Washington at the Washington, D.C. Shakespeare Theatre Company next April, 2024, starring Ray Fiennes.
1: As Macbeth? Yep. He's a little older than I would peg to play that role
0: yep uh starring as uh lady macbeth is indira varma okay and that is all we have so they're going to tour the uk a bit and then they will uh bring it over stateside we'll see it is uh this new production will be staged in site specific warehouses in each of the four cities all right So I don't know that I wanted to go watch Ray Fiennes do Shakespeare down by the docks, but I guess that's a thing you can do next April.
1: I look forward to hearing if any of our listeners uh, decide to undertake that adventure. (laughs)
0: That's adventure is a is a good way of putting that. But back to your adventure.
1: Back to my adventure.
0: Yeah, tell me about the big cats.
1: (laughs) The big cats, but not cats. Better big cats than that.
0: Better big cats.
1: Yeah, so um, the you Lion King... You saw Life of pie. I saw Life of Pi. No. I saw the Lion King, uh, which just came to Toledo. This was my Christmas present from 2019. Like many, many people, mm-hmm. um, we were supposed to see Lion King on March 29th, 2020. So that didn't happen.
0: Nope.
1: Um, but they said, you know, we're going to honor all of the tickets. When it comes back to the Stranahan season, when we open up again. But when they reopened and they announced the first season back, Lion King was not on the docket. And so it took this second uh, go around, this second season for them to bring Lion King back. So we were finally able to go see it. The number of times in my life that I have almost seen Lion King, I know so much about this show for a show that I've never
0: seen before. Right? That's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, I know we've talked about Julie Tamer at length. We Mm -hmm. both love Julie Tamer, and we did huge college projects on her. Um, I know so much about this show to the point that I almost don't want to see it because I I have, like, my own opinion of it in my head, and I don't want to ruin it. Like, I know it's so good.
1: It is. It is possibly the most impressive piece of theater I have ever seen.
0: That's saying something.
1: It was absolutely astounding. Um, It's just, it's so brilliant. It's so beautifully done. And I know we've talked about Julie Taymor and Lion King before, but it is so striking. It is so energetic. It is the only, like, big Broadway show I can think of, especially big Broadway tour, I can think of that puts the actors in the audience. Like that's just not Mm. typically something that a big Broadway theater is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, that's how you get the first entrance of all these animals in the circle of life. They're coming in with these giant, giant puppets down the aisles of the theater and up onto the stage. And um, I knew that that was going to happen, but I forgot that it was going to happen until it was happening.
0: Yeah, that's a a bad (laughs) words. Those are the best moments.
1: Um, Chase had no idea that was going to happen. Even better. So that was that was a fun moment. Um, But like the elephant puppet is a four person puppet. It's one puppeteer in each leg of the elephant as it comes down the aisle. And it's just it's beautiful and it's astounding. And the way that they use the stage and use the set pieces to stage iconic Scenes from this animated movie in ways that you would not think of doing. It, Julie Tamer is a genius. She is absolutely brilliant. And her mind works in ways that I can only begin to aspire to.
0: hmm
1: And it was just... I cried several times. Just from, like, the sheer awe of sitting there watching this happen. Sure. And, like... It's, oh, (laughs) I didn't take notes on Lion King. I took notes on Into the Woods so that I can talk about it coherently. But I didn't take notes on Lion King. I just kind of experienced it. Um, But like the hyenas, there are three different style of hyena costume puppets based on what role it is that they are are mainly playing in the scenes that they're in. So there's the dancing hyenas who are the ones doing like the fighting. They're doing dance numbers. And that's very much just like, a mask with whatever like this this kind of silk fabric that catches the air as they move and then there's the background hyenas who have these like stilts that go on their arms to get that kind of um physical silhouette of a hyena So they've Uh also got the mask that goes in front of their face. And then they've got these two stilts that are on their arms. And then the three main hyenas, the ones who have lines and who have, like, the characters, the personality. Whoopi Goldberg Uh and that, like, trio from the movie. Yeah. They have to be able to manipulate the masks to say the lines. And so they've got one hand that's being used to articulate the jaw. And then their other hand is down in one stilt, but it's actually both front legs connected to one stilt. And so it's just like a different design for it. That's Um, clever. And like there were there were little things where I was like, this could have been done differently or this could have been done in a slightly more impactful way. I don't love Timon and Pumbaa because they, I think, feel the most
0: out of place,
1: out of place in what has been created. Mm -hmm around everything else.
0: They are done more like how um Olaf is done, yeah. right, or uh the Winnie the Pooh that just happened, right, where it's yeah. the the actual physical puppet lower on the ground um for Timon and then the puppeteer in costume behind manipulating, right? There there feels like a disconnect there. And then the, Pumba's yeah. weird.
1: Pumbaa is weird. And the performances were very good from both of those actors. It was just a little bit jarring because those characters are already in the animated movies so like very Disney comic relief. yes. and so everything else was this really like stylized um, kind of puppetry that was very innovative and then this just felt very like and here's the comic relief.
0: yeah, which is kind of the point. yeah. So they're doing it right, I guess. I don't know. I would be curious to know, because this thing's been running for, what, 30 years now? on Something Broadway like that and going tours. on. I would be curious, like, what the advances in technology and prosthetics and, te- and, and everything, if it has lent itself to um, helping with any of these very intricate mm-hmm. costumes at all and puppets and everything, like... I would imagine that every time they make a new puppet or have to remake whatever, that it's much more lightweight now than the original. Probably, yeah. But beyond that, like, I I would be curious, because things uh, things like Phantom, right, or Chicago that run for forever, you know, they're pretty much the same as they were day one, because nothing really changes, right? Maybe you got some new lights, but, and maybe some of the set becomes automated, but it, it's all still, you know, people in their costumes playing people. I would wonder if advances in technology affect um, the puppeteering costumes, because that's all props and costumes and heavy stuff and, and yeah. big important things. It's a really interesting boxes. question.
1: And it's like this is one of the I feel like with a lot of Broadway shows where the money is spent is kind of like hidden in the background. You don't necessarily like notice it first thing. Sure. Like Lion King. I know why that show is as expensive as it is. Oh, for sure. But it's it's so impressive and it's so well done. And I loved the I just can't wait to be king sequence because all of a sudden you went from these like this very distinct style of this is how we're going to represent these animals and this is how we're going to represent this terrain. And then you go into just can't wait to be king and. It's very clearly like this is Simba imagining his future. So the puppets become a little bit less realistic and a little bit more like a kid's imagination. Okay. So like there's a giraffe puppet in Circle of Life and it is uh, an actor on two different heights of stilts. So there's one on his feet and then there's one on his hands again to give that physicality of the giraffe. And then mm. the the neck is attached to his head and it goes up high And so it looks like the silhouette of a giraffe. You go into Just Can't Wait to be King and the giraffe puppets become these giant conical canvases that have the spots but drawn in like bright colors.
0: Okay. Interesting. With
1: with just a head on top. And it just it feels very playful and very much like, oh, this makes sense because this is the show that Simba is putting on in his head um, Mm. for Zazu. I think Zazu is probably my favorite puppet in the entire thing. Because there's so much interaction with his puppeteer. So the puppeteer is dressed in this like puffy blue suit and has Mm -hmm. the face makeup like Zazu. And so there are definitely moments where the puppeteer is a separate character from the actual puppet that he's manipulating. There's a few different versions of Zazu. There's the flying Zazu that comes in during Circle of Life. And then Mm -hmm. there's the actual puppet that he's manipulating. It's one of the most expressive puppets on the stage. Yeah, this show is just really, really impressive. And I feel like sometimes we get to a place with shows that have been running so long where people are like, eh, is that really worth seeing? But this one absolutely is. Like, if you have the chance to see Lion King, go see Lion King.
0: I I still have a chance. I could make it work tomorrow, but I I don't think it's going to... J.J. won't sit through that yet. It's too loud. He doesn't like the loud. So... And Veronica's not quite old enough yet, so... Um, maybe next time. So, that's not the only Disney musical to talk about. There's a new one coming down a the pipe. A new
1: Disney musical?
0: Yeah, new Disney musical. Brand new, never been seen, never been heard of before. Never um, ever. They went, um, so, they've done, they had already done live animals with Lion King, uh, like land animals and all that in Africa. So, this time they decided to do fish and birds.
1: What a great decision somebody made!
0: Yep. Um, It is called uh, The Little Mermaid.
1: You know, it rings a bell.
0: Yeah. Uh, There's a new film version of The Little Mermaid. It is coming out in about three weeks from time of recording. Uh, May 26th, I believe, is release date. Um, We have seen some clips and heard some things, and there are posters galore, and the animals are terrifying.
1: They're so scary. Flounder is... Listen... At least lions are vaguely cuddly looking. You know what I'm saying?
0: I mean, not scar, but... Yeah. Well, no, I, but I like... I see your point.
1: But like fish, not cuddly in real life. No, they're, they they're are... They're weird looking.
0: Scaly and wet, not great. But they figured it out in Finding Nemo, so they should be able to do it here.
1: Yeah, they weren't going for like super authentic, realistic in Finding Nemo
0: sure weren't sure weren't so uh the cast is kind of a who's who um Hallie Bailey not to be confused with Hallie Bailey uh Barry see I can't even keep them straight uh is playing Ariel uh we've heard her sing now her part of your world is out on YouTube and Spotify and you can listen to it uh it's pretty good I thought like you know it's one of those songs that um it's it, it's nothing terribly special, but you have to do it a very particular way. And if you're bad, it's bad. Yeah. It just drags. Um, we have uh, the Sea Witch herself, uh, not a man in drag. It is, in fact, Melissa McCarthy. So that's probably a good thing that they didn't go that route.
1: Oh, gosh. Yes, please. Can we stop with the villains being men in drag?
0: Eric is played by Jonah Howard King.
1: He was uh, Laurie. In like the 2017 miniseries version of Little Women. They made like three gotcha. new Little Women movies within like four All years. at the same time, right? It's the one that Maya Hawk is in.
0: Pugh was in? Yeah. It's the one Maya's. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. You are uh, far more aware of the that series than I am.
1: That tracks. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is playing Flounder. Uh, Javier Bardem is King Triton. So that'll be some interesting vocals, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lin Manuel uh, continuing his Disney streak. There's a through line somewhere of Alexander Hamilton to Dick Van Dyke to Chef Louis.
1: That is an interesting flow chart to examine. Yeah, and that
0: is the Lin Manuel flow chart. There are many other things, but those are the ones I'm choosing to dwell on in this moment. And then we do have a couple of voices. Uh, Davy Diggs returns. He is uh, Sebastian. I will be interested to see how much of the accent he does. I agree. Because uh, he could do it and get away with it, I'm guessing. But I also want to hear Davy Diggs do it. Yeah. So we'll see. Um Kind of in the same vein, uh, is playing Scuttle, so...
1: You know what? That works in my brain. She's got kind of that, like, raspy, slightly squawky voice.
0: I just want to see this Scuttle tap dance.
1: Oh, but, yeah, here's the thing. You're saying these names, and it's like, great, David Diggs, Jacob Tremblay, aquafina That's fantastic. And then I remember that they're going to be freaking CGI seagulls. Yep. And, like, an actual honest-to-God crab, and I don't know if I can handle that.
0: It's kind of crazy. If you haven't seen the posters, go look at the posters because, oh, boy, this is uh, not the Little Mermaid you grew up with.
1: Sea creatures are terrifying in real life. I just can't stress that enough.
0: Yeah. It's underwater. It's crazy different. That's how that works. Um, They are definitely under the water, under the sea, certainly not into the
1: woods. That was a very awkward transition. Thank you. You're welcome. But you know what? It's fine. I'll take it.
0: So you saw Into the Woods?
1: Yes. Yes, I did.
0: Was everyone there? Was the cast there or did you see Understudies?
1: We saw Understudies. So apparently Stephanie J. Block has some pretty serious vocal issues going on right now. And um, to my knowledge, has not performed a single Chicago engagement.
0: Oh, wow. Um, So
1: we do wish her... All the best, speedy recovery, and hope that that gets sorted out. Yeah, very soon. Yeah. Um, so we did not see Stephanie J. Block as the Baker's wife. We saw um, Simone Rose was the understudy in the role, and hmm. we saw the understudy for Cinderella, um, Ellie Fisher. And apparently, the day before, so we saw this on Thursday, which was their third performance in Chicago. And apparently the second performance they had in Chicago, Ellie Fisher was on for one of the stepsisters. And then shortly into act one, Cinderella became too ill to continue performing. Oh. And yeah. And so stage management decided to pull Ellie off of her stepsister track and put her into the Cinderella track and pull another standby into the stepsister track. So backstage is just a massive chaos with wardrobe and hair. Like trying to make sure they have the right costumes for the people who are now in these parts. For all the quick changes. Um, and they're doing all that while the scene is still going on on stage. And they only ended up holding for like 45 seconds. Just to make sure that everybody was like safe and ready to go in the transition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it. Uh, so I got all of this from the from kennedy um who is the puppeteer for milky white from his tiktok uh yes. talking about this crazy night and he did like backstage footage which was amazing
0: what did we do before tiktok
1: exactly what did we do um apparently ellie came on just in time to start very nice prince and so her first line on stage was i just need a second to catch my breath which like what a more perfect very good. entrance very for that good. whole situation Um, but that was not the night we were there, but we did see Ellie Fisher as Cinderella and she was very, very good. I was very impressed with her. Um, Mm. yeah, so I have, I have a lot of thoughts and I'm going to try to be both coherent and, um, cohesive because my notes are kind of all in a jumble. I was torn as I was watching because I was like, I want to remember the things that I'm loving. So that I can talk about them on the podcast. But I also don't want to be sitting here trying to remember things that have already happened. I want to be like in the moment experiencing.
0: Right. Because you don't. This is a huge big deal. And like you pay good money to see this. It's a weird thing to like see something professionally.
1: Yeah. And so I found myself sitting there going like why didn't I throw a notebook in my bag. And then I could at least be like scribbling notes of things to remember as they're happening. Um, so, like, we hit intermission and I'm, like, frantically I have my phone out and I'm, like, typing things in my notes app and I'm turning to Chase and I'm, like, what what was that thing that we laughed at so much? Um, <laughs> so, so, basically, um, this show is incredibly important to me. It is the musical that got me to love theater. I saw it when I was probably way too young to be seeing it for the first time when I was, like, seven or eight years old. Way too young. Way too young to be seeing the show. But I grew up on the pro shot with the original Broadway cast, and I just absolutely adore it. And um, it is the reason I became friends with my best friend, um, Drew, who passed away in February and in December before he went into the hospital um, for what was the last time ultimately. Um, I found out that this was going on tour because he texted me and he said, Hey, do you want to go see a show together? And so we had been making plans to go see this together in Chicago. And that unfortunately like didn't work out, but I, it was really important for me to be able to go and see it. He was able to see this production. He saw it on a trip to New York last year. Um, he actually saw it twice. He saw it when, uh, Sarah Burrells was still playing the baker's wife. Mm-hmm. So like he didn't get a chance to see this production Which which means a lot to me um, That's good And I only like had a major Emotional breakdown like once During the That's show That's okay Which That's you bad. know um, a- After the show I had a bit of a breakdown as well uh, To the point where like One of the ushers came over and was like Are you okay? And I'm like I'm yes There's some trauma and some grief happening right now But like I am okay I promise Um, But being delayed after the end of the show meant that we did get to, like, watch them put the ghost light out on the stage as the orchestra was packing up. And that was kind of cool. That's cool, Um, yeah. But anyway, this show means a lot to me. And it was was a a truly magical experience to to see it. And um, I will be the first to admit that being such a fan of the original and having grown up on the pro shot and loving those performances so much, I have very... High standards when I see the show And like a very clear picture in my mind Of like what this show should be And what these characters should be And so sometimes when I'm like I don't like how you did that I have to like take the step back And be you know Is it that they did a a poor job Or is it just that it's like Not the vision in my head Like my personal top preference And I will say that one of the things I love most about this production Is that this started as a staged concert At the New York City Center And then Mm -hmm. it transferred to Broadway. But when it was a staged concert on like a symphony stage and not like a Broadway theater stage, they really had to go with a very minimal interpretation. And they kept that when they transferred to Broadway.
0: Okay. Which I think
1: is very impressive because Broadway, like the big Broadway theaters, I feel like we tend to get into this mindset of like, this has to be big. It has to be huge. It has to be impressive and striking when you first see it. And they kept this minimalism, and I think they used it very, very effectively. And the set is just like three-step risers. The orchestra is on stage. You can see the orchestra through the whole show.
0: Okay, that's very different. Usually,
1: Which is very different. They're
0: almost always very hidden.
1: Yeah, it's a full orchestra. It's not like... It's not like come from a way where there's the band is on stage, but it's only like five or six instruments and they're kind of off in the wings. Like this is a full orchestra. It's front and center. There's playing space in front of them. And then there's like a raised platform behind. Okay. So they've kind of created a pit that has playable space all the way around it.
0: OK, that's kind of, that kind of works. Yeah.
1: They use that back riser in a really smart way because they didn't put any major action back there. It was just for like transitional moments going across the stage. Like when the step family is riding to the festival in the opening number.
0: Gotcha. So just to give it they, some more they life.
1: Went, right. Yeah. And, and back they went back across there. Um, they had the Cinderella making her entrances during the festival from back there. Um, the only way that they used it where I'm like not convinced that I love it. And I still don't know how I feel about it. Is that the voice of the giant came out every time the giant had a scene with the actors with, like, a standing microphone and carried the microphone out and put it on that back platform and stood there to deliver the lines. Huh. That was not what the other actors on stage were interacting with. They use a lot of puppetry in this production. So Milky White is this phenomenal puppet and being puppeteered in a brilliant way. And then in act two, they have these giant, like, boots that are... Mm -hmm. Silhouettes of boots that are like six, six and a half feet tall that are manned by two puppeteers, and those are the giant's boots, and that's what the actors are interacting with when they're talking to the giant. Okay, that makes sense. And that was really innovative and clever, and a clever way to do that.
0: Did they like? Um, Did the boots like disappear off, or was there like a? You just see a
1: shoe. Yeah, it was just the shoe to do the steps across the stage like they were saying okay. this is where the giant is but we're only going to show you the shoe we're not going to try and show you like
0: yeah but there's not like a, a leg standing out like, there's not like the a leg curtain. it's
1: just an empty boot huh. but it's like it's like you'll have to look at pictures of it because i'm not going to describe it well but it's like a hollow boot they just did like the structure like the outward structure of the boot um And they had two puppeteers that were that were manning those in act two. And that was really, really impressive. But the only like concession to going into the woods that we see is when the show opens, they have tiny versions of the houses that are suspended from the fly line. Okay. And so the the families stand underneath their house. Sure. But they don't have like actual houses on the stage. So they just have those hanging from the from the fly that get lifted out when they go into the woods. When you open, there's two birch trees on that back riser. And then as they go into the woods, more birch trees come down from the flies.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And that's how they kind of go into the woods. But they picked birch trees because the dark stripes on the birch trees they've done with like cutouts that are covered with a translucent kind of film. Okay. And they can shine lights through them.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: And the transition from act one to act two, after like the giant comes down and is doing all this crazy stuff, um, is that the cutouts have gotten bigger and the scraps of bark that were covering them are now littering the stage.
0: Okay. That, that works.
1: And the trees are set up in such a way that every time like the giant descends or like the beanstalk falls... Or some kind of big like earthquakey moment happens. The trees could actually like bend and tilt interesting, which was uh, just again, a very effective, simple visual.
0: It's interesting, too, because most of the time when you think about the woods in into the woods as, as you know it's it's like you know people call it New York City's a character. The woods are a character in into the woods, mm-hmm. and you don't usually get to see the woods suffer right necessarily like the the woods are kind of this big vague scary place thing right that is just kind of constant and the deeper you mm-hmm. go in the scarier things get but to see it break and bend and stress and move and be affected that's different
1: yeah and again there were times when this minimalism really worked for them like rapunzel's tower Instead of trying to put her in, like, a big actual physical tower, they had this, like, step unit that came out with a mounted, like, gilded photo frame in front of it. And that was her window. Okay. And the whole apparatus was pushed on by one of the puppeteers, who then was in charge of the braid. And so when she let her hair down, he would spool the braid out horizontally across the stage to whoever needed to pull it or climb it.
0: Okay. That's cool.
1: And that was how they did Rapunzel's Tower and that was very effective. There were other moments of minimalism minimalism that were less effective. So Cinderella goes and visits the spirit of her mother in a tree and in the original production they had like an actual tree set piece that the, the ghost mother spirit sat in and you could just kind of like see her through like a hole in the tree.
0: Right.
1: And it was very ethereal and in this one the actor playing cinderella's mother came out in what i can only describe as like a green brocade 1980s mother of the bride style dress oh boy with like shoulder pads oh boy and then there were just tree branches sticking out of the back of the costume
0: that's wrong
1: (laughs) and she came and she stood on stage and that was really one of the one of only two moments where i looked and i went you have Broadway money. Do better things with it.
0: Yeah, that looks that sounds like a bad witch.
1: Yeah, and my other point where I was like you have Broadway money, use it was the witch's transformation. They did the regional theater cop-out of having the witch run off stage to oh. transform and then run back on. And the part of the issue was Her transformed appearance does not look anything like her pre-transformed appearance. Okay. And so if you don't know for a fact that that's what's happening, it can be very confusing as an audience member. Like, who is this new character coming on stage?
0: Mm -hmm. Right. It's so different.
1: It's not the same color scheme. It's not the same stylizing. It's completely different. And the the witch costume that she had, like the only witchy part, was she had these gloves with the claws, and she had like a mask on, to be the the ugly witch face, and a wig. So it would have been so easy. She
0: could have literally taken them off,
1: like just take them off,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is what Bernadette Peters did. But that was that was the other moment where I was like, you have Broadway money. There is no excuse for transforming the witch off stage in a Broadway production.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a little sad. Do we know how much actually changed from Broadway to tour? Because they said that it's the same production and a lot of the same people, but you know things had to be changed or simplified somehow.
1: Slightly, probably, but I, I don't know. I don't know for sure what was changed um, from Broadway to the tour. Um, but overall, I was really, really pleased with it. I I really love that they remembered that this is a funny show
0: yes it is it is a very funny show it
1: is like until people start dying halfway through act two the show is hilarious yep
0: it's so funny
1: this production remembers that and it really plays into it and again there were a couple of moments where i was like okay you just sacrificed a little bit of storytelling for like a one-off joke and i kind of wish you hadn't done that but that again is because of like how close i am to the show itself
0: yeah, you you so, want to see every single moment because you know exactly yeah. what they are and how they piece together.
1: So, like the the narrator of the story traditionally is the same actor who plays the mysterious man. Yes. Um, and they did that here; they had that doubling. But the witch's death—he like he jumps back and forth between being the narrator and being the mysterious man, and it's supposed to be set up so that you don't notice when he leaves his narrator podium. Mm-hmm. Um. That I felt was a sacrifice of the tour because of how this theater in Chicago was set up. There was no way for him to like easily slip off stage. He was, it was always very obvious when he left his post, uh, but that I think was just because of how the proscenium is set up in this theater.
0: Gotcha. So sometimes it'll and work so, better. Sometimes it won't. Yeah. Yeah. So You're that one, I wasn't holding, it, holding
1: against them. Um, but the witch's transformation is supposed to be misdirection so that the mysterious man can get off stage Um, after he dies so like the mysterious man dies at the end of act one and so for him to get off stage as a dead body that's part of the reason why the witch is transforming on stage so that you're watching that and you don't notice him slipping away and then when he reappears as the narrator it's like a seamless transition and here (laughs) they just had him stay dead on stage until it was time for his narrator line and then he sat up And, like, just took the mysterious man cloak off and set his narrator line and walked back over to his podium. And, like, yes, in the moment, that was funny. That was amusing. But later in act two, when the characters break the fourth wall and they literally pull the narrator into the story Mm -hmm. and they become aware of him for the first time. Right. He has a line where he says, I tell the story. I'm not part of it. And I'm sitting there going, but you were part of it. We watched you be part of it earlier. But there were a couple moments like that. Um, but overall, they had the the playfulness. They had the fun. Um, Little Red Riding Hood is hilarious throughout the entire show. As she, she is should be. So well, she's so brash and she's so like intense in this production. Um, and Gavin Creel. As I was gonna ask wolf.
0: about Gavin Creel. I think oh he's astounding for sure.
1: Stunning. Stunning. Gavin Creel is stunning from start to finish. And Ryan, do you know what Gavin Creel cites in his bio in the program as a credit? Do you know what he puts down and includes?
0: Uh something from high school.
1: Eloise at Christmas time. Oh. So you know what? <laughs> Oh, Eloise at Christmas time is in Gavin Creel's professional Broadway biography.
0: You know, I guess we are running out of uh, Patreon bits, so maybe that is a Patreon bit added to the list.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um, but no, Gavin Creel was absolutely flawless. He was so stunning. And his interpretation of the wolf was one of my favorite interpretations that I've ever seen because it was not sexualized at all. Okay. The wolf was not sexualized. The wolf was not sexualizing Little Red. The wolf instead was played up as this kind of like vaudevillian showman. Okay. who is doing these like mini kick lines up the stairs during Hello Little Girl. He started the song with his arm around Little Red with her looking at him like, why are you touching me? And he just did like a nose boop and literally goes boop to start the song like it was so funny
0: that's pretty good
1: and it was such a fresh new interpretation of that character the it takes two between the baker and the baker's wife was phenomenal it was so much fun these two characters were really like playing with each other and dancing and acting like they were having the best time and it wasn't this super serious like heavy moment um I have, I have so many like random notes that won't make any sense if I just sit here and go through all of them. So like, I'm trying not to, <laughs> but um there, there were things that I did not love about this production, some of which were just directorial, like visionary choices. Some of which were the portrayals that I saw, but overall, this was such an incredible show. It was really, really well performed Um, It hit a lot of the moments that I really look for in this show. And um, I was so thrilled to be able to see it. And if you have a chance to see this while it's on tour, it's absolutely worth it. I adore this show so much. And this production was, was beautiful.
0: Sounds like it. It is definitely one of the shows that would be on my short list if I got to see it. So I think that about wraps us up here because I don't have a season to guess.
1: You don't. The season don't. has been announced.
0: The season has been announced. As every every community theater is announcing their season right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And we prepare for next year and another round of seeing what shows we can get into and get to play with and direct and do. And uh, We do have a uh, rousing round of summer theater coming where everybody tries to squeeze as many rehearsals into as few weeks as possible
1: hey that's my life right now and
0: sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't yeah. so I'm sure we'll uh, have some fun stories coming up here soon
1: yep because I start rehearsals this week for Explosion, which is our summer show
0: So, and I have uh, as of recording this I have one more weekend of Streetcar um, I'm sure uh, we will talk about it ad nauseum next time
1: I'm sure we will
0: But I got to say something that Cassie does. I don't think Cassie knows. We opened uh, this previous Friday night. I missed Final Dress.
1: You missed Final Dress, Ryan.
0: With Strep. Oh, no. Yep.
1: So I bet that's been a fun time for you.
0: It has been a good time. And you don't have have an uh,
1: understudy to go on for you, do you?
0: Sure, don't have an understudy. It is me or nothing. So got some antibiotics and saw the doctor and everything and then skipped final dress, knowing that I could do opening night as long as I rested. Yeah. So I I made it and it went well. And uh, now I'm just trying to recover enough to do it again yep. this weekend.
1: Yeah, well, Chase and I will be there.
0: Yeah, bring tissues.
1: Cool. They're, they're still in my purse from Into the Woods and Lion King, so
0: perfect then you're all set yeah i had somebody come on i think a saturday night they came and afterwards they were like how how could you invite me to this and not tell me to bring tissues that's that's rude like well okay i'll tell everybody to bring tissues thank you for your note
1: message delivered
0: message delivered bring tissues it's a sad sad show well, that'll do it for us this time around on By the Ghostlight. Thank you so much to everyone over on our Patreon. You are the reason why this show and this network continue to exist.
1: And if you're not a patron currently, you should become a patron because the most recent be. Patreon exclusive episode concluded, Ryan, the high school the musical saga.
0: Yes. So the, the adventure, the journey.
1: Yeah, so Chase and I watched the first high school musical and did a live uh, commentary, like several yep. several Patreon exclusive episodes again ago.
0: Many, many moons ago.
1: And then Ryan and I watched high school musical two and did a live commentary.
0: Because Cassie hadn't seen it.
1: And that was several months ago. And then this time, to round it all out, Chase and I went back and watched High School Musical 3, but he had not seen High School Musical 2.
0: Right. And neither of you had seen 3, And neither of us had
1: seen 3. So did another live commentary. Wildly
0: out of context.
1: And I was able to get angry again about the representation of theater in these movies. And so if that is something that you enjoy, you need to go become a patron so that... You have access to this live commentary.
0: There is no better pitch that could be given.
1: Absolutely not. And if you become a patron at some point, I'm gonna make Ryan watch Eloise at Christmas time. So,
0: sure will. Yeah, that'll be a whole thing.
1: It will. I'm not gonna make you watch the first Eloise. I'm just gonna make you watch Eloise at Christmas time.
0: Somehow better, probably better, definitely. Honestly, for sure. You don't a better need bit. the.
1: You don't need the first one. It's just establishing the character.
0: If, I need additional context to watch Eloise Christmas time than knowing that her name is Eloise and it is Christmas time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I need context past that, the movie has screwed up.
1: And you don't, you don't need context beyond that.
0: Delightful. Well, that's everything from us for this week. My name's Ryan.
1: My name's Cassie.
0: And join us next time by the ghost light.